Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty barbering and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Every Sunday, we feature brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, we are talking to one of the industry's most iconic barbers. He goes so far beyond that. I, I, I'm going to say because I believe it. He, he is one of those legends in the industry. He is Ivan Zuth, the Clipper guy. He is um, somebody I've known since before he was a barber. So on his first walkthrough in a beauty school, welcome to the podcast, my friend Ivan Zuth. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super excited that you invited me uh, to join you for this conversation. Well, and we're going to see you shortly uh, because we're just like a week and a half away from Bronner Brothers, the iconic show down in Atlanta, Georgia. I know you're there every year. And um, so I'm going to see you face to face real soon, Ivan. Absolutely. There's there's quite a few events coming up. You know, we're kind of at that point in the year where we're ramping up. I'm starting to become very familiar with the United Airlines ticket website and and how to book at, you know, Hilton.com. So it's it's turning into that time of year again, which is always fun and exciting. I love it. I love it. And uh, anybody who's out on the road, you know, look for Ivan. He's pretty much at every national event in the industry, with a few exceptions from time to time. But you can pretty much count on running into Ivan if you're on the road. Um, Ivan, we start by asking every guest the same question. So I'm going to give it to you, which is best advice that anybody has ever given you throughout your long career. And it's been a long one um, throughout your life, I should say. Um, this helped you to have the career that you have today. You know, you know, I knew ahead of time that that was a question that was going to be asked. So I had a couple minutes to give it a thought uh, as you teed it up there. And and it's interesting because this is a piece of advice that as I thought back on it, it was incredibly timely when it was given to me. And as time has marched on, as the industry has moved forward, as technology has evolved, I think this this piece of advice is as good as it ever was, if not maybe even a little bit better. Uh, it is specific to my time in the beauty and barber industry. You know, I did have uh, quite a life before I uh, joined you uh, as a cosmetology school student way back when. Um, but as I was just getting into the business and just beginning to dabble with education, uh, I had a mentor that many of your listeners may not know. I'm going back. It's old school. Um, there was a guy in the men's haircutting slash clipper cutting category named Jim Jones. Mm -hmm. um, East, yes. East, Jim. East Lansing, <laughs> Michigan. Um, and what, to his credit, one of the issues was Jim was independent. Jim did not have any kind of sponsorship uh, affiliated with himself. He could talk about whatever he wanted and he could do whatever he wanted to do. Um, he was a mentor. He became a good friend. Um, and at the time, you know, legendary in the business. Talk about a guy who was at every show and event uh, with his wife in the back of the room, just like my wife today sits in the back uh -huh. of the room supporting what I do. Shout but out. To, Jim, shout out to Susan. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Jim said to me, standing in the back of a classroom after everybody had departed when I was just hanging out and visiting with my friend slash mentor, he said, you know what you got to do, Ivan? You got to put it on paper. You got to put it on tape. His recommendation was write a book and do a video. And the reasoning behind it was you can only reach a hundred people if there's a hundred chairs in the room. Um, you know, back in those days, I was the guy standing on the floor at a trade show with a clipper plugged into the wall talking to people as they walked by and their attention was here and there and gone. But his point was in order to really reach the greatest number of people to communicate your message effectively and consistently, write a book, get a video. 
write a book, get a video. By the way, when I said get a video, Jim was talking about a VHS tape. Yes, he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Jim used to show up with a crate of tapes. I used to show up with a crate of VHS tapes. Today, that advice translates to have a YouTube channel and a podcast. Those are the modern versions of those two answers. And that advice today, if you want to reach the masses, when you consider how astronomically expensive it is to be at a trade show, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be at all the shows I'm at if I didn't have sponsors. Thank you very much to my friends, our friends at Barbicide. If it weren't for Barbicide, you wouldn't see me the way you see me. Um, it's very expensive, but your ability to reach more people with your message in an effective way. In the old days, write a book and get a video. Today, we know the online tools. That, so that transformed. I took his advice. I've written my 15th book is coming out later this year. Um, and my YouTube channel is still smoking out there. Uh, but I'm no longer schlepping cases of VHS tapes to hair shows. All right. So let, let's jump into kind of the, the big topic today. And I think it's such an important one. one we, we like to talk about here at BeautyCast, you know, which is this, our, our perceptions of the importance of the technical work we do, the service that we provide, the, you know, getting in there and, and doing hair, you know, and then everything else, what some people call so soft skills and the way that we communicate, the way we kind of manage our time with a guest. So let's, let's, I'm going to let you kind of start with a riff. You know, I, I made the statement, I make it frequently. And I made the statement recently. I said, haircuts don't matter. And my point was that really the business that we're in is not the business of cutting hair. We're in the business of building, maintaining, cultivating relationships with humans. And that, that experiential aspect of a haircut. Yes, of course, when you leave, your hair will be shorter. No question about it. But along the way, all of the other things that you see and you hear and you feel and you touch and you smell are as important or maybe more important than the haircut. So when I recently talked about this, I took a lot of flack from people and, and I absolutely agree and understand with the desire on the part of beauty and barber professionals to defend the time and the energy that they put into cultivating their skills, to stand behind the importance of the execution of our craft. And the way that I came down to putting it recently on a post so that I thought people would understand where I was coming from. I said, think about it like a hand in poker. Think about it like a poker hand. If you're holding cards on a scale of one to 10, you're going to measure your haircut one to 10, one being lowest quality, 10 being highest. And you're going to measure your customer service on a scale of one to 10, one being lowest, 10 being highest. And what I said was this, a four haircut with a 10 customer service beats a 10 haircut with a four customer service every time. So think about it like a poker hand. And when I put it in that frame of reference, I think more people got it because they saw the interrelation between the two. And I'm not sure what the abs, you know, I'm not sure what the ultimate winning hand is that, you know, I don't think too many people are ever going to pull from the deck a 10 and a 10. You show me somebody with a 10 level customer service and a 10 level haircut, that's a rare bird mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in our industry. They, they don't, it's, it's, it's a, what, a unicorn. They really don't exist. Um, but I'm not sure that, you know, a seven customer service with a five haircutting, I don't think that's going to get the job done. So I don't have a great answer. I, I would love to, if I was laying it out on a matrix and I was hiring people, I'd love to hire eight, eight. That, that would be 
magical. So that's kind I, of my take on on the overall subject. Well, and you know, there's been conversations about this topic, you know, throughout all the years, I think, of the industry, you know. And I recently had one with a very, very successful salon owner, one of the most successful and iconic salons in America. And we were talking about this very topic, you know, and he mentioned in response to my question, you know, about his take on this, he said, you know, I've got so-and-so, you know, one, one of his team members been with him a long time. And he said, no matter how hard we try, she's just never going to be at the level that I hope all of our team get to. He's like, but she's been book solid for 10 years. <laughs> so he said, so her, her people skills, her ability to communicate, her clients adore her. And he's one of my top producers, not one of my top um, technically proficient hairdressers. And he's like, but she's killing it. So, so, you know, totally got it. Harvard did a study, and I remember this was back in, in the late 80s or early 90s. Harvard did a study around the, the big idea of uh, providing service across various industries, including our industry. And they came up with a statistic that said 85% of success can be pinned on not your technical skills, but your ability to, to communicate and, and provide a, a level of customer service to clients. 85%. They, they did the research. Yeah, I think that number, um, I'm, I'm going to take a blast from the past here, and I know he's still around. I still see him on social offering advice, but Michael Cole told me that it was 85-15 in 1987. You know, And I think in some ways, maybe my, my course, my life, my path, and my trajectory in the industry was uh, charted or was corralled a little bit by the fact that I was exposed to a lot of that kind of thinking very early on. I remember my first boss um, on Tuesday night, model night practice at a very fancy upscale day spa salon in the Chicago suburbs. My first boss literally at model night said to me, you know, your mouth is going to get you in trouble. And I said, that's what my dad says. No, <laughs> what I said was, what, what he meant was he said, you sound better than you are. You sound better than your haircuts are when you deliver them. And, you know, his point, of course, being coming from that Sassoon trained era of service mm -hmm, in our mm -hmm. industry, yep. he was one of those folks that believed that the haircut was everything. But he also understood that there was magic, there was secret sauce in the people skills. Um, and that was that was another piece of great advice he gave me. He said, your, your, your mouth is better than your hands. Um, and I think he was right. Um, and I think knowing that I was able to kind of use that to, to wend my way through the industry successfully. Yeah, you, you've certainly done it. So, so to the listeners, Michael Cole, you know, uh, um, a dear friend to so many people in the industry and, and somebody I talk to regularly still, uh, episode number three of this podcast, I believe three or four. Uh, so, so go back into the library and listen to Michael Cole as well. So just an iconic you know, business coach in the industry and, and really, really a thought leader. So Ivan, for somebody who's like, okay, uh, I hear you. I need to kind of double down on this idea. You know, I'm working on my technical skills, of course, every day. Um, thoughts, like how do, you, how do you tackle this issue to get yourself to the best possible place over time, you know, knowing it may start with baby steps? I think it, it's, it's the standard answer in any endeavor, uh, whether you want to you know, uh, compete in an Olympic level in a sport or compete at an Olympic level uh, behind the chair in a uh, haircutting and a beauty and barber environment. Uh, number one is you want to double down on your education. Uh, there's so much out there and available 
um, whether it is attending classes and programs at shows, whether it is participating in online academies, whether it is consuming content that's available free on social media. But um, even outside our industry, when we get into customer service and soft skills, uh, take a course in public speaking, take a mini class, go, you know, Skillshare or some of these other learning platforms, take a program on listening skills, um, uh, take, watch some videos and learn a little bit about body language and communication. Um, sit in on a program that talks about dressing for success. I mean, there's so many elements to this when you step back and, and you know, go to your five senses and put yourself in the customer's shoes, sit in your styling chair and ask yourself, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? All of those things. And then ask yourself, where can I maximize that aspect of the experience and to make sure everybody understands because you know ivan will throw down pretty hard on a very aggressive statement like haircuts don't matter when those that don't know me well don't remember that you know ivan still believes you need to know how to cut hair very very well um but i'm being i'm, I'm trying to make a point so i'm being a little bit uh exaggerated if you will um, but there's so many resources out there in so many categories. And, you know, I know this is going to sound cliche, but um, listen to your boss, um, bosses, uh, cosmetology school instructors, cosmetology school owners, the people in those leadership and mentoring roles. Um, I haven't met any of very any of them in our industry who are not passionate about your success. Whether you're a recent graduate or whether you've been in the industry a couple of years and you're making a job change to the next evolution of your career, the people in these roles in our industry overwhelmingly want you to succeed beyond yours and their wildest dreams. Um, lean on these folks. Take advantage of what's out there. I mean, you know, I have children who are millennials and whatever the next category is after that. <laughs> um, and I know these folks know everything. Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay. Yeah, they. I know they know everything. Um, but hey, you know what? Um, there's a lot of help out there. Take advantage of it. Well, and you, back to what you said about you know haircuts not mattering per se. You know, um, so technical skills, which you know anybody who's going to school, you've got this great foundation that you're go working your way through. That's like the price of entry. Like everybody comes through into the professional side of the industry, you know, paying that price of entry, learning the fundamental technical skills. And what happens from there, you know, there's many different paths you can take. Um, schools, you know, it's their job to get that foundation really nailed the best they can for every one of you. The opportunity to grow all the rest of what, you know, Ivan's talking about, it kind of happens in the salon behind the chair, you know, because that is a whole different um experience for you as a professional compared to anything that's going to happen in school you, you get a good foundation you're working you know doing things in the clinic and you're coming in contact with clients but until you get out there in that real world and and understand that every single person in the industry who's doing what you did paid the same price of entry and so it's like how do you stand out i talk to consumer friends and about their experiences because i love to have those conversations about what do they think right talk to people on airplanes People talk about how hairdressers make them and barbers make them feel more than they talk about, look what's on my head. I don't think I've ever had a person on an airplane who were sharing what we do and I'm asking them questions. I, I don't recall anybody ever saying, oh, look at my haircut. But they talk about how much they love the person who did it or, or not, or not.
Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the great thing. You know, I remember hearing a long time ago, the idea that one of the greatest things about the barber industry is the positive uh, feelings and the uh, valuable social interaction we have in our industry. And somebody put it this way. They said, nobody hates their barber. You know, this is not an adversarial relationship. I'm not crazy about my dermatologist. You know, when he takes that, that Q-tip <laughs> that is dipped in that stuff and he puts it on that little mole on the side of my foot, <laughs> you know, I don't like him at all. Right. But I keep going back because he's a really good dermatologist. The flip side of it is if you don't like your barber, you go Maybe. to a different barber. Exactly. Um, no matter, no matter so, how good, no matter how good the cut is. No matter how good the cut is, I tell this story all the time. There was a woman that worked on my team in my shop, you know, back in the day, and we were we were low price, high volume. I had come from managing multiple units for a low price, high volume, family oriented chain, um, and this woman came with me from a previous employer. She was one of the first members on my team. Arguably, some of the best haircuts I've ever seen in almost forty years in the industry. One of the best haircutters I've ever known. And she didn't work for me very long before she switched from full-time to part-time and before she had to get another job because she couldn't make enough money. Her haircuts were so good, but she had a problem retaining customers. People would suffer for her haircuts, but only for about three haircuts. And then the price of the haircut, I'm not talking about what they paid in cash, the price of the haircut in emotional stress and turmoil and the nature of the behind the chair experience was too high, even though the haircut was so good. And I say this all the time, everybody who's been in our industry for more than about 15 minutes has worked with somebody who was a mediocre haircut, like your friend shared, who was crazy busy. And who has a coworker who's an incredible, who's a wizard with a clipper, who spends a lot of time playing on their phone. It's so fascinating that you mentioned that third time. I've heard from so many people over the years about people who go in and have a service that's not up to the standard that most of us would expect, um, especially people like yourself who, who have a high bar when you're just judging purely technical work. Right? Is that a good haircut or a bad haircut? And, and so from a customer perspective, I've heard so often that work isn't that great, but clients have this fairly consistent, you know, interest in giving you another chance if they like you. And three seems to be the number. They'll give you three chances before they make a decision. And if you if you get to okay, they'll probably stay with you because they like you. I, I've I heard in our industry for many years, if you serve a client three times, you have a high statistical probability of retaining that client for an extended period of time. That three was magic. I'll tell you, I'll share with your listeners a marketing idea um, that I shared, and this was coming out of the pandemic, where we had lots of beauty professionals who were experiencing a high volume of new traffic. Their styles hadn't come back yet. Their stylists left the industry. They were just using the pandemic as an opportunity to find a new stylist looking for change. And we were brainstorming what can be done to make the most of these first-time client opportunities. And literally, the program that I had shared, and, and your listeners can use this and share in comments and things, the success they find with it because the people I coach through this love this. And here was the idea. Play along with me. If your haircut is $25 and I'm only using $25 because Ivan can do math easily. If the haircut is $25, don't make it complicated for me. If your haircut is $25, 
coming out of the pandemic with these first time clients, and I think it'll work anytime, you offer a bundle. It was $100 and it consisted of three haircuts and a proper assortment of take-home professional products. Mm, love that. So haircut number one, 25 bucks. Haircut number two, we're up to 50. Haircut number three, 75. And a product assortment to make up the other 25 bucks. Now the key was they paid $100 on the first visit and you owed them two haircuts. They've got two haircuts in the bank. And the idea was they are now obligated or committed to that magic third haircut that we have been told for so many years is so important. And to your point, three haircuts through, you know, number one, if three tries, I can't get it right. You should probably go to somebody else. However, the flip side is if three shots, I'm able to get your haircut close enough. The odds of retention are now very, very high. So it was a magical way. And also remember coming out of the pandemic, you know, this is where all of a sudden we got all this focus on missed appointments and on cancellation fees and on booking fees. So this little combination of $100 up front. So take your haircut price, whatever it is, multiply it by four. That's your package. And in the fourth haircut, you have enough revenue no matter what your costs are, to provide somebody with a really healthy. So there's also a product sampling initiative in there. You're sending them home with the right merchandise. You're seeding future product sales. This was a winner on so many levels for people. And again, going back to that, you know, three-time visit, you know, which again has been talked about in the industry forever. Important to say that all the research shows us that seventy percent of your new clients will never make it to the third visit. That's an industry standard statistic across all categories. Seventy percent of people who sit in your chair once will not make it to the third visit. It's important that you know about that number. Number one, and and secondly, that you work to to your point with a strategy like what you've mentioned. There's many others, you know, to to reduce that number. You know, you want more people coming back. You work so hard to get them in the front door. So you know that that's that's fascinating. I, I, uh, yeah, you know when you when you hear statistics on things like cost of new customer acquisition. Oh. Oh. When, you, when you put cost of new customer acquisition up against the statistic of 70% of your customers won't make it to the third visit, uh, you know, in many cases, I can tell you with the cost being what they are, if you don't get the third visit, you're literally not making any money. Exactly. And and when we say cost, because a lot of people listening, you, know, you might say, well, I'm, I'm not really spending money to get new clients, but you're spending effort at minimum, you know, you're, whether you're doing social media, whether you're simply asking for referrals, there's so many different ways, but it all takes time. It all takes effort. And you, you have to consider that, you know, always. So, you know, I love this. The um, interestingly on this topic, you know, again, the, the kind of the power of soft skills and, you know, all the things that you can layer around technical skills. I've been really trying to pay attention to this in, in a significant way because I, I just think this is such a game-changing idea and it's proven to be for so many people. When I look across the industry, I would say close to 90% of all education is technical. And yet we know that close to 90% of success comes from non-technical. Talk about a disconnect. So for those who are listening who kind of get it, the resources aren't as vast as, as we would like them to be. I, I love that you point outside the industry because I, and I'll mention Toastmasters, you, you talk about listening and talking That's such a great local opportunity. But just again, go back to this idea of, of finding resources. Like, I, I just want you to kind of add a little bit more to that because there's a shortage, I think, of, of the stuff we need. And you know, I mean, let's look at hair shows. 
Um, I'm on the bill at all these hair shows with these off the floor classes that are free with your show ticket. Um, Bronner Brothers, you reference, is coming up. I've got two classes at Bronner. I have a technical cutting class and I have a business building class. The technical class will be in the technical track. The business class will be in the business track. I will bet you a donut. Now, I shouldn't bet you a donut because I know you probably don't eat donuts. I'm a diabetic. I'm, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm going to bet you not just a donut, but a chocolate frosted donut with sprinkles. Okay. Sure, Meaning, sugar, sugar free, please. Yes. Well, I'm what well, I'm trying to graphically throw down the heart <laughs> on the bet here. But my point is this: I will bet you that donut, or in your case, if, if, you know, we'll, we'll we'll throw something else out there. But if we do head counting on my technical class and my business class, I'm willing to bet. I don't care how many chairs are in the room. I will have four times as many people sitting in my technical class as I have in my business class. And and here's the golden nugget for your listener community. While that's just the reality of the industry, and despite all of my efforts, I can't change the fact that these attendees are 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 hurting themselves into the technical classes. That's what puts butts in seats. The flip side of it is if you come to my business class, you're going to get a higher level of one-on-one -on -one engagement and attention. If you raise your hand, I'm going to answer your question. In the cutting class, if you raise your hand, I'm probably not going to have time for all the hands. And I'm probably going to tell you to come see me at the booth and we'll talk. And you probably won't even do that. But in my business class, the audience is going to be small enough that it's going to be so much more focused on you, the attendee. And all of a sudden, the value associated with that business class just skyrockets. Yep. And when you talk to people who've been in this game for a bit and, and talk to them about how they have managed to become successful, there is always a piece of that puzzle that relates to getting out there and getting education that's non-technical, number one, and networking, you know, and networking, which I think in business classes, I, I just feel there's a different opportunity to connect with like-minded people who are really focused on becoming successful in the larger, you know, idea of their career versus successful at a haircut. Yeah, definitely. And 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 you know the other thing I will I will share with you, um, if you are an attendee in these business classes, look around the room at who sits where, because the, their physical placement in the room also speaks volumes about their attitude and their approach. So when you talk about networking, if you want to, you know, and I I one of my greatest pieces of advice is at shows is this: they hire me, they book me in. They put me in the program and I show up with a class and an agenda. And my ego will not allow me to believe that my content is anything other than amazing because that's just who I am. However, I absolutely fully acknowledge that some of the best learning at a hair show happens when Ivan is not talking. Some of the best learning at a hair show happens when Susie and Jennifer are standing in line for the bathroom and they start to chat with each other. We're standing in line to pick, get, a, get a soda or a hot dog or are, are somewhere in a hallway. And, and I, I challenge people. I say, don't leave a hair show without seven or eight business cards from other people. You're going to get my business card, of course, because I'm trying to sell you something. But more importantly, get a business card from somebody who lives on the other side of the country who owns a similar business to yours or who has similar challenges or maybe even someone who has had some of the success you hope to have because there's 328 million people in america we're not competing for haircuts we're all in this together and i say this and i mean this we 
are smarter than me. Collectively, we all know more than I ever could. So, you know, make sure that when you go to a hair show, you listen to Gordon and you listen to me and you listen to the guy on the stage next door, but make sure you talk to attendees who are really bringing, you know, decades, centuries of, of experience and value to these events. I love it. I love it. Now, it's a segue into our, our, our last question for every guest. You, you offered your best advice for being at a hair show. <laughs> so now I'm going to ask you your best advice for our audience um, relative to just having a, a long, great and, and happy career. Like what would, what would that advice be, Ivan? You know, it's interesting. I answered the first question at the opening of the program about uh, the best advice I ever got. And I talked about how timely that advice still was these decades and decades later. Um, my advice, um, I don't think it holds up in the same way. This is advice I don't think you would have given to a student or a new professional almost 40 years ago. But I think this advice is very, very valuable today. And that is, I believe that the now, not just the future, but the now moving into the future of the industry, our industry has become highly highly, highly specialized. One of the expressions I use in conjunction with this is, if you are everything to everyone, you are nothing to anyone. You know, I use the example, I tore a tendon in my elbow. My doctor sent me to an orthopedist, but he didn't send me to a general orthopedist. He didn't send me to the shoulder guy or the knee guy or the hip guy or the ankle oh, guy yeah. or the mm -hmm. carpal tunnel guy. He sent me to the elbow guy today Think about this. When I went to beauty school, if you showed up at beauty school and said, when I grow up, I want to be a colorist. Okay. When I was in beauty school, they would have looked at you and go, you're going to be a who? Right. You want to be a what? So that true. job didn't exist. I mean, yep. it was just at its infancy yep. in the late 80s. Yep. Today, we all know color professionals that literally just do balayage or yep. specialized gray Blonding. color. Or Blonding or reds or corrective work. Um, within color, the industry has become massively specialized. Same thing goes for uh, men's hair cutting, grooming, and barbering. We have beard specialists. We have SMP, um, um, scalp uh, uh, pigmentation, micropigmentation, uh, the tattooing. We have hair piece. The hair piece industry is huge right now. We have so much specialty, and specialization allows you to be more meaningful to customers. Uh, it allows you to charge more. It allows you to focus your retail offerings. Um, so my my biggest piece of advice for young professionals and even somebody who's got a few years in already in the business is figure out what drives your passion. Because you know what? This is the greatest industry in the world until it's not, until you're having a bad day, until these people are making you crazy. And I will tell you, you will have more good days and you will enjoy this industry much, much longer when you are doing something that makes you insanely happy. So if you don't want to perm anymore, specialize in something else. I can't believe you mentioned perms. So you so see, you showed, showed your age a little bit. However, um, uh, perms are coming back. So it's... It, 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 <laughs> Are we, we saying that again now? We are saying it again, probably the third time in my, my career. Perms are coming back. Uh, well, I, you know, I use that as an example because when I had my shop, I had a young lady who was never happier than when she was winding up hair. Um, and I, you know, I would do a test curl on the other side of the room and she would look over and go three more minutes. And I, I didn't even know what she was looking at, but I cut a deal with her. I, I worked out a deal with her that she, and back in the day we were doing a lot of perming, she would do all my perms. 
but don't you dare cut my customers. And she she didn't like to do a lot of short hair. When your customers want to go short, you send them to me. Um, and and that was one of the earliest notions of specialization for me in the business was finding a service I didn't want to do anymore and finding a partner that I could tag team with who was thrilled to be doing that work. And, you know, I want to add too. you know, there's, there's kind of a path to specialization. And I, and I think it, it begins in school by learning the fundamentals of everything. Most importantly, to figure out in part what you're drawn to. You know, I mean, that's part of it, because if you don't know a little bit about everything, you don't you don't know what you might missing out, which what might really excite you. You know, so I would say, you know, get in there and, and, and learn the best you can everything. And then as you work your way th through your career, you have these opportunities to kind of double down. But most people I know who specialize and are really successful at it, they've got a pretty large, um, you know, um, way of looking at everything they do. And they don't they might specialize 80%, but they still got the rest of the stuff in their trick bag and, and they're able to do more than just that. Yeah, that's such an important point with, with again, students and new professionals. Um, you got to lay that solid foundation across the board. And part of that foundation is learning enough about the wide world of what this industry has to offer in so many ways. You could be a fabulous makeup artist, but don't know it until you spend time there. And maybe you signed up for cosmetology school because you thought, I thought when I got into the business that I would be cutting ladies' hair. That is why I got into the beauty industry was women's haircuts. Uh, my career has taken me so far from that. But to your point, I can still nail a bob any day that I need to I just don't need to right now. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, we're going we're gonna to wrap up here, Ivan. So before I do that, though, tell people where they can follow you. Tell them, I know you have an education platform. You know, you're out in the, uh, all the shows. So where can people follow you on social? Tell them where to go on the web. The easiest place is, of course, ivanzoot.com. That's the website. That's the epicenter of my world. On any of my social platforms, if you go to my, you know, you get a link on there and you get your link assortment, uh, my academy, my new uh, platform, an all new platform, a totally new academy launched January 15th. Um, and I'm, I'm getting great response and feedback to that. Of course, there's a seven day free trial on that. So you can get a feel for, hey, is this Ivan guy really the guy for me? It's a business building academy. It's non-technical. Uh, technicals on YouTube. Um, and to your point, I'm at all the shows and events. And, you know, my opening line, my opening sentence is always, how can I help you? Um, I'm in this business to help people build business and build amazing careers in the beauty and barber industry. Um, that's all I've ever been doing. Um, and it's, you know, it's good to continue doing it. And the opportunity to come talk about it here with you is a, a, a treat. Be sure you follow Ivan anywhere you can, you know, social media, check out the website, check out the learning platform. Back to your best advice for show, something I always add, and I am so in agreement with everything you said, but Go introduce yourself to one of your heroes. Go introduce yourself to somebody you think, you know, maybe that person who's beyond, you know, who you can approach because this is an industry full of so many approachable people who've had the success that you've had, Ivan. So I say, if you get a chance to meet Ivan Zoot, go up and say hi. He's going to drop some gem on you. I could almost promise it. <laughs> so, um, Ivan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, can't, can't say thank you enough for, for being our guest and for being such a great friend to Beautycast Network. To everybody listening, I say, if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating and or review for the podcast, hit the subscribe button, and best yet is to share it with a colleague. All those things help others to find the podcast. Be sure to follow us over at on Instagram as Beautycast Network, on Facebook as Beautycast, and on the web as beautycastnetwork.com. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes of the podcast. I'm Gordon Miller, and I will be back with an all new episode next time.